It's a tale as old as time. He's handsome, debonair. She's pretty and sweet. They lock eyes across the room. Okay, hold on. Honey, you need to get your facts straight. Finding love today is more like... Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I just want somebody to share my life. What does his text mean? Maybe he's just not that into me. Is this this relationship relationship going going anywhere? anywhere? You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Welcome to Dates and Mates. This episode is brought to you by OkCupid. I'm going to kick off the show on a positive note with one great tip on how to optimize your OkCupid profile. My advice is keep it positive. Don't list out the reasons for people to pass on you because they will. OkCupid data shows that profiles with terms like pass on me if and don't like me if, which I see tons of, they get fewer messages, conversations, and contact exchanges than those that don't. I know it's kind of common sense, but we're still seeing a lot of it. So so I want to make sure that your profile is optimized for peak dating season. It is much better to be positive in your profile and list reasons why people should like you, like your love of traveling, hiking, music, all things that do very well on OkCupid profiles. Go ahead and make those changes. Keep it positive and you'll start to see that inbox lighting up. You know, I am feeling pretty good about 2022 so far, even though we are smack in the middle of Mercury retrograde. We are making it. We're making it day by day. I know some days we just want to give up. We especially want to give up our New Year's resolutions. And maybe you gave up on Quitter's Day, which was last week. Did you know there's actually a day every year when most people are likely to throw in the towel on their New Year's resolutions? Either we start to get inconsistent and it's a slippery slope from there, or we hesitate if we can't really commit to the promise for the whole year. And there's a key reason for this. Doubt. We start to doubt ourselves and doubt the outcome of our efforts. But you know how to get over this hump? The answer lies in looking inward and finding out what's really motivating us to get in touch with the true self. My guest for today, Kimberly Snyder, will help us do exactly that. Kimberly is a spiritual guide and meditation teacher, among many other things, and she's here to talk about her new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are. It guides us through how to do the work to get in touch with our true selves and let that help you manifest everything you dream of in 2022. But first, we have some dating news to cover. Are you a victim of mask fraud or a perpetrator? And is it time to lower your dating standards? According to research, you maybe already have. Later, I'll answer questions from you like, are fish picks the new dog pick? If so, I want to throw that one back in the sea. And we just matched and he's already asking for exclusivity. Is it just me or is his insecurity showing? It's a live one and we're going to go deep today. All right, lovers, let's dish. D's dating dish. Well, according to a new study out of Cardiff University in the UK, apparently face masks are the new black. They are very sexy and 
certain kinds of masks can make you seem more attractive. Get this. The researchers asked a group of women to rate the attractiveness of a set of male faces with and without different types of masks and coverings. And I guess women don't find men all that attractive because... According to this research, faces were considered significantly more attractive when covered by cloth masks than when not covered at all. This kind of made me want to die inside and hide my face behind a mask. But it, it may be a result of the pandemic because pre-pandemic participants had said they associated masks with disease and would avoid people who wore them. But now... We are changing in our psychology how we perceive the wearers of masks. There was another similar study that suggested women's faces were more attractive and considered healthier when wearing a mask. And now the kind of mask that you might want to wear, the blue surgical kind, can be seen as a symbol of expertise and attractiveness because, you know, we're used to seeing doctors and nurses and people that we trust wearing those those clinical blue masks that I always thought, no, don't you want a cute mask to wear to a date? No. According to this research, you just want a plain old, (laughs) a plain old surgical face mask. But here's the problem. In this article, they also gave a nod to a new trend in South Korea that users called Magikon. And I probably am pronouncing that wrong. So for any of my Korean listeners, please DM me with the proper pronunciation of that if I'm messing it up. But I'll translate it for you. What it means is mask fraud. It's a mix of the English word mask and the Korean word for fraud, sajikon. And users complain that they are being led on and calling for magic gun profiles to be regulated. I just talked about this in a recent Access Hollywood Daily segment. I talked about mask fishing, that people are using masks to appear more attractive than they actually are in real life. And look, now we have the psychology behind it. So we're just going to have to see how this pans out post-pandemic because... I don't know if a year from now it's going to be acceptable for you to put a mask on your dating profile. And people have asked me before, should you put a picture of yourself in a mask on your dating profile? Here's my my hot take on this. I think that that profile is valuable real estate. I think there are other ways like you could just use emoji picture with a mask in your bio. There's other ways to indicate that you are a mask wearer that you are following COVID safety protocols, that you're vaccinated, all these other things. I don't think you need to use your photo real estate, which is really precious, to actually say that. And even though you might seem more attractive in a mask, according to this research, you want to be authentic. And that is what I'm always saying on this show, love as you are. And if you love as you are, you are more likely to find someone who is looking for a person just like you. And once you find that person, according to Big Think, your progression bias may mean that you're more likely to go with the flow, go with that relationship and stick with it. The progression bias is the tendency to make decisions that initiate 
advance or maintain romantic relationships rather than choices that lead to dissolution, like reject rejecting someone or breaking up with someone. So this is why we hear everybody saying like, oh, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go out on another date with them, even though I don't really like him and they kind of made me uncomfortable or didn't really ask me any questions about myself or I didn't really feel anything. And it's been the third date. But why don't I just give it the benefit of the doubt? Well, here's the relationship science behind it. People tend to make pro-relationship decisions only when the risk of rejection is low. So that's the pain of getting turned down outweighs the potential benefits of pursuing a relationship. But people do tend to lean toward pro-relationship decisions, but only when the relationship is well-established. So like a married couple who has history, and these are the people that are like, um, even though my spouse treats me like crap and won't get off the couch and we have no sexual chemistry and we yell and scream at each other all the time, I'm just going to stick with it and I think it will get better. So basically what this article is saying is that your dating standards are likely lower than you think because your progression bias means you are going to be invested in getting through this early stage of dating and being willing to date people who don't live up to your preconceived standards, especially when you're interacting with them live, because you don't want to hurt their feelings and you don't really know if you're giving away something in the future that potentially could be great. And then we form significant bonds with our partners earlier than previously thought, according to this research. And those bonds continue to grow even when signs of incompatibility are clear. I see this all the time with clients when they get three months into it and they're like, um, this person doesn't want kids, even though I really want kids. <laughs> we have completely different spending habits and we have really different values, but like, I'm just going to stick with it because I also see that the pressure of what does that mean for finding another person? How much effort will I need to put out to go back into the dating pool and find something new? So people are just likely to coast and people may be satisficers and not maximizers at all when it comes to mate search. I'm actually writing about this in my new book which will not be out for two years. I'm going to keep talking about it on the show because I'm in the thick of writing it. But, you know, I talk about this maximizer satisficer effect. If you know the book, The Paradox of Choice, and everybody says, well, aren't people becoming maximizers because of dating apps, which are forcing them to just swipe, swipe, swipe through so many people? And by and large, I do not see that. I see that my clients are interested and willing to settle down. I see this in the OkCupid data, that more people are relationship-minded, and that having more options doesn't necessarily create an inability to commit to what's in front of you. And the science is backing this up, that that feeling of needing to be in or staying in a long-term relationship really drives us to make a choice because we don't want to stay in that permanent state of limbo and we don't want to feel the ickiness of rejecting someone or of having to start over. So maybe that's why they say it's cheaper to keep her. It's also a lot less emotional strain. Well, if you are still looking for a relationship, we are still in the heart of peak dating season. And I want you to take advantage of this magical moment to improve your dating profile and your odds of making a match. My profile starter kit is free. 
only for a limited time. And I want to give you a script that you can use to write the most magnetic dating profile of your life. You can sign up to receive an instant download of the Profile Starter Kit totally free at datesandmates.com. In a moment, we'll be back with my friend Kimberly Snyder. She'll be here to talk about her new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are. So stick with us. Welcome back. I'm here with Kimberly Snyder. She is a spiritual guide, meditation teacher, nutritionist, and holistic wellness expert, among many other things. She's also the founder of Saluna, a holistic lifestyle brand, and the host of the Feel Good podcast, which you may have heard me on. She is a three-time New York best-selling author, including her book, Radical Beauty, which she co-authored with Deepak Chopra. And today... Literally, today, her new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life, is out on shelves. Please help me give big smooches to Kimberly Snyder. Well, it's great to be with you, Demona. Continue our conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. We started on your podcast, and uh, the, the circle continues because now you have a new book out today. You are more than you think you are. Practical enlightenment for everyday life. I love your philosophy. I love your pr- approach. And I love how grounded it is. Like you're taking, you're taking really big concepts and making them digestible into people's everyday life. And hopefully right now also their dating life. Tell me about where the foundation for this book came from. So the foundation for this book comes from these really incredible, potent, practical, ancient teachings. So I think that we all enjoy the new. We all love new studies. We all love to hear what's going on in new trends. But there's so much value, Demona, in the old. And these are ancient. So they're really, really old teachings. And the way that I came across them was when I was backpacking for three years, which I thought was going to be a few weeks. But I was I was seeking and I didn't really know what I was seeking at that time. Demona, this is after college. I was uncomfortable in my body. I was bloated. I was constipated. I had acne. I was also anxious and, you know, I had insomnia. I was obsessed with achievements. So I, I started traveling and I didn't really know what I was looking for. But, um, you know, as I talk about in the book, there was a word for what I was seeking and the word is enlightenment. I was seeking more freedom, not to be fully enlightened like Jesus or Buddha, but just to have more tools and more practices to to feel good in my life, to enjoy my life. So one of the places that had the biggest impacts for me was India. I was there for three months the first time and then circled around and went back for another extended period. And particularly the work of Paramahansa Yogananda, who is the guru that brought yoga from the East to the West. And the reason that I bring this up is because these teachings, Demona, are so relevant for today. They teach us how to go past our self-imposed limitations, our fears, how to create our best stuff, how to manifest abundance and love. So there's a big section in the book about this. And um, anyways, I, I was starting to apply these teachings. I was seeing these patterns in my life. I came back to New York City and I was broke. I didn't have any money, but I was starting to just again, see these patterns and things emerge from inside of me. There was transformation happening inside of me and it was coming out externally. So what I did was I started a free WordPress blog and I was teaching yoga. I was teaching yoga asanas and I was going back to nutrition school. 
And then all of a sudden, this blog just started to take off. And I didn't know anything about marketing. I was just telling my yoga students, but it just grew and grew organically. And then I started working with clients. My first celebrity found me. I got on a film set. I started working with other clients. And then the TV show started coming. I was doing Good Morning America regularly. First book deal comes. This is why I tell you the story, Demona, is the first book deal. I it was Harper Collins. And I said, hey, I have this idea for the book. It's called Catching the Fire. And it was a travel memoir and a lot of these teachings. And then they looked at my site and they were like, oh, but the food stuff is taking off. So let's do a food book first and we'll do this book second. Well, that was exactly 10 years ago to this year, Demona. So 10 years ago, here I am six books later, the food got popped. The first two books were food. Then it started to become more philosophical, spiritual. I wrote a book with Deepak Chopra for my fourth book. But this book came out when I was 34 weeks pregnant with my second son. It just felt like, oof, this information wants to be here on planet Earth right now. So this just pretty much you know, wrote itself over the past year. And it's my, my full playbook to Mona. So I'm really excited. I I love that you're you're here sharing your your full playbook with us and everyone will get a chance to read today. It comes out today. So everyone will have a chance to read all all of the to, to spend time. A lot of these concepts take time to really to really ingest and to understand. And I love I, I spent a lot of time in the in the new <laughs> as you were starting to say at the beginning, you know, with like new technology, with dating um, and those elements change, but certain things really stay the same foundationally. And I think we come from the same perspective also. Like all of my programs, sure, I can teach you how to how to optimize your dating profile and how to do all of those technical things. But the foundation of all my programs is let's start with the self. Let's start with understanding who you are so you can attract your your most ideal relationship. And that's where a lot of your work starts as well, too. Yes. So while there's technology and while there's all this great newness that allows us to connect to other people, one thing that is the through line, no matter what, is energy, right? So we can say the right things, we can be witty and write the right things in our profile or whatever, but people feel our energy and they know they can sense it, whether it's the language they use or not. So what this work does is it allows us to connect to the deepest part of us, to what yoga calls the true self. And why this is useful and this is helpful is because it allows us to connect and to be seen for who we are. And also it allows us to ignite what um, what I call in, I think it's chapter 12, our natural magnetism. So instead of this de- desperate trying to get and pull in and find that perfect person or whatever it is, we instead become this, this source of energy and we radiate out. So what I mean by that is there's the true self and then there's the ego. And this is one of the things that yoga teaches us right away that I didn't really know before I got into yoga. So the false self, Demona, we call the ego, the pseudo self, whatever it is. And it's basically this, this shell, which most of us put our identity into, but it's really, you know, what Wayne Dyer calls the less than 2% of who we are. So it's what we look like, what we're doing, what we're achieving. 
out here. And the funny thing is, we're like, wait, but isn't that who I am? But yoga teaches us the true self is actually this unique energy inside of us. So we can call it spirit individualized. We can call it the soul. Quantum physics would say it's this unique gravitational field that runs through our physical body and actually the space around our body. But this is the stable, um, creative, intelligent, part of us. This is the voice of the heart. This is the voice of the intuition. So when we start to connect to this part of us, we start to just have this expansive, beautiful energy. We, we understand that we are whole and we show up in this moment. So the ego is always sensing out here with the five senses, right? It's seeing with the physical eyes, it's touching, it's looking outward. And the problem is when we overfocus out here, we focus on lack or what, you know, what's coming in, what's not coming in. So we see, oh, well, I don't have a partner. I don't have love. And so it starts to create this lack-based energy, whether we realize it or not, we start to emanate it. So one of the things that I talk about, and this is one of my favorite chapters, Demona, in the new book, it's chapter four, you are love. We start to realize that instead of seeing love as something that we get from other people, we realize, we realize that we never get it from other people. Other people may light up the love that's inside of us, but actually when we start to connect to the true self, we realize that the love is actually coming up from inside of us. So then we become the source of love instead of, again, this trying to get it. The ego is always like, I need to get something from someone else, whether it's approval, um, someone to agree with me, someone to see me, someone to like me. And again, that creates a very, um, an energy that can be felt, whether you're saying the right things or not, it's an energy of desperation. It actually can repel potential partners away from you. So the, the difference, we don't go to the solution to the same place where the problem is. Instead of trying to shine up the ego, make it look shinier or better or we're pushing more, we're on so on the apps more, we're trying to get more and more. We go to the solution in a different place. And that comes from the deep, deep, deep self-connection. What are some of the tools that you use, Kimberly, to help your clients access that deeper self, the true self? Exactly. So in practical terms, what this means is we need to balance Demona being out here in the outer world and all the doing and the writing and the looking out here and scrolling and all that. We need to balance that with connecting with our inner world. So in practical terms, my morning routine, my morning practice that I teach involves hot water with lemon, right? Making a green smoothie. We're doing this stuff out here, taking your probiotics. And equally more important is sitting in to do your meditation practice in the morning. And the practical enlightenment meditations that I teach and I put out free every week on our app are generally seven or eight minutes. You can sit longer. I sit longer, but just to start just those seven minutes means instead of, you know, this is a, a yogic Sanskrit term, pratyahara, instead of all the senses looking out here, we withdraw the senses into our spine. And when we start to focus in, it actually activates this part of our brain called the medulla oblongata and this ganglion of nerves. And there's so much research and science around this and it starts to light up different parts of our brain associated with equanimity, calmness, um, more creativity. And again, we're centering and concentrating our energy instead of dissipating in all these ways. And this is a very attractive force. Now the energy is building up inside of us. So in practical terms, we want to, um, number one, meditate every morning just to get into the flow of energy. Number two, we want to start to live love as a verb. And what I mean by that is when the ego tells us, oh, love is this thing that I'm trying to get, become, it creates this lack-based energy versus love is inside of me and I'm going to activate it as a verb, a living thing in my life. So what does that mean? 
first thing in the morning, whoever you see, your pet, um, you know, and your roommate, people around you, give them love. Send a text within the first half hour of when you wake up in the morning telling someone you love them. Love is now a verb. It's living in your life. It's not something you're trying to get. It's here right now. When you get your coffee, be extra kind to the barista, spread love, spread kindness, you know, come up with five things in the morning that you're grateful for. So now again, instead of love being this thing that you're trying to get, love is in your life. You're living it. You become the source of love. And that makes you um, incredibly attractive because the love energy is already activated right here, right now. So those are some of the first things you can start to do. I love all of that. And, you know, I, I will admit I am, hmm, I'm on a long journey with meditation. <laughs> and I've been practicing yoga for 20, 21 years. And that was always the thing that I struggled with. And I think, you know, my... um I, my cousin is a Buddhist and he did me a terrible disservice because he was like, okay, you want to start meditating? It's easy. Just start with 30 minutes a day. And I was like, what? Wait, start with 30 minutes a day. Like that was so overwhelming to me that honestly, I pushed it away for a long time. And so, yeah, too much too soon. And so I love that you're giving people permission to just begin, just, just sit there sit and set the stage. Just begin where you're at. And there isn't necessarily a right way or wrong way to meditate. It really took me a long time to understand that, that it's so much of it, I feel like is the intention, is setting the intention and then it evolves. And now I can sit for 30 minutes and it's not a big deal. But I, it took me a long time to get here. <laughs> Well, one thing I will say, Jamona, we, we want to avoid um, terms like right, wrong, good, bad. But I will say this. Yoga is the word yoga actually essentially means union. And through these limbs of yoga, we're, we're working to yoke our, unite, our limited little ego with this divine consciousness, this greater intelligence, the universe, whatever word you want to use. So meditation is more than just sitting and closing your eyes and relaxing. We're still in the senses. It's actually literally about connecting into to the spine, pulling our energy and creating more union. And so I highly recommend following the path of, you know, an actual lineage that's connected to you know, the ancient teachings. That's where my work comes from, because I think, you know, these rishis, these seers, that's what the word rishi means. They can see more than just the physical eyes. They see out of their third eye, they perceive, they have more um, intuition about this. It's like, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Use the specific practices and teachings that help us to really work with our energy, which is what I talk about in the new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are. It's all inspired by um, Paramahansa Yogananda and his teachings and his commentary. And I went through this uh, period for five months um, Demona, where I treated my home like an ashram. I was going inward. I had a breakup, a sudden break. Oh, I wasn't so sudden, but my mom passed away suddenly. And so it was like, I was a new mom. My son wasn't a year. I, my mom passed away. And then I had this like epiphany of, oh, this isn't, you know, we just weren't moving forward the way I wanted to with my, my first partner, the um, father of my first child. So then I was a single mom, you know, pretty abruptly. 
And anyways, I, I went into these teachings, you know, it's easy to, to kind of dip in and out when things are going well, but when you hit rock bottom, I really went into these practices and I, I read thousands of pages of these texts. This was about four years ago. And when I came out of that period of reading and deep introspection, I had a lot more trust for life, for myself, for the true self, Demona, I felt like, oh my God, I can get through anything. And I emerged with this sense of wholeness. So I felt, again, through this work and through these practices, I just felt complete. So then a few months after that, when I was at a random dinner party, I ran in, boom, into future husband, John. And I recount this in the book. I, I specifically talk about how I was in the place of my intuition, what this work gives you. And if I hadn't done that, Demona, I think he would have gone right by me because on paper, I was like, mm, this guy isn't my type. No one, like no one I had ever dated, you know, completely covered in tattoos except for his neck and gold grill in his teeth, motorcycle driver, MMA, you know, I'm plant-based. He's this huge meat smoker. So it wasn't anything <laughs> on paper that seemed to line up, but I was I was dropped down into a deeper place. And so the recognition happened. And I think, oh my God, how many people go right by their soulmate because they're up in the head and the ego and the evaluations versus in the energy of the heart. Awesome. So um, what I would say is, you know, over time as we do these practices and it's not overhauling, it was like the Titanic, if it was one degree over, Demona history would have changed. So I often say it's not about doing more work, but it's a shift in work. It's instead of rushing around out here in this desperate, <laughs> doing more, doing more, more time scrolling, it's balancing that with that inner connection, which builds your energy, which is palpable and, and can be felt. And then anytime I would say, Demona, any, anyone listening to this, anytime you start to feel that lack creeping in, like, oh my God, look, everybody is getting married instead of me, or, oh, there's no one good on the app today or whatever, like you start to feel that constriction. You pause, you take some breaths, you realize that you're identifying with the smallness of the ego and you breathe into your heart and then you turn that energy into an action step. This is something you can do in that moment. So what can I do to be the source instead of feeling that lack? So in this moment, who can I tell that I love them? What is a kind thing I can do? As we mentioned earlier, like what is, um, you know, what's a loving thing I can do right now? So you turn it from lack into this abundance of love right here, right now. I'm not missing anything. I can be the source of love. And then that, that repeated vibration as you move through your days and weeks, it turns your energy again away from that lack into this fullness that it makes you a very, um, a very attractive partner. Mm. Thank you for sharing your story. That sounds like you had so much that you were processing at that time. Like any one of those challenges would be a lot for any human, but you're processing yeah, you're processing loss of a parent, loss of a relationship, a new ba baby, like all of this at one time. And I can certainly relate also to being in a dark time of my life. And there was, I couldn't really see a way forward. But it's really interesting, Kimberly. What I did was I just went to yoga. I just went to yoga every day because that was the only thing I knew how to do. And I had put so much energy out. I was like, do this, do that, do this. And I wasn't getting the answers or the or the responses that I needed. So I was like, I, I'm just going to, all I know is that this practice grounds me. It roots me. So I'm just going to do the practice. And I love how you said, don't reinvent the wheel. <laughs> like these are ancient teachings that have been 
that have been passed down for so many years. And it's it's like, duh, the answer is so, so obvious to follow the teachings that other people already figured this out for you. You, you don't have to do this yourself. But it's so it's such it's such deep work and it's such transformational work. And it's so, it's so wonderful that we still have that we still have teachers like you that are taking that information and then making it relevant to today's today's world. There was we all need it. And there was something also that really resonated for me, like in part one, you because you, you've broken the book into three parts and we can talk about each various part. But part one, you know, you're removing the biggest blocks to move forward in your life and working with your shadow self. And I I heard I heard tones of that in what you just said, but can you explain the shadow self and how to, I, I think sometimes I, I, we need to shine light on the, the shadow self and let people um, acknowledge that because I think society, you know, in this Instagram, Instagram first world, the shadow self is, is acknowledged less and less. So thank you for that, Demona. Um, so Showing up in in wholeness, like I mentioned, I think that's a big key to attracting a mate and to attracting the right mate, because it means that we are showing up fully as we are. The shadow that you're talking about is often this disowned part of us. Um, it's this abandoned part of us. It's like I can be talking to you and I'm like, hey, Demona, da, 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 da. but somewhere deep in my subconscious, there may be part of me that's like, oh, but if she knew what I did, she wouldn't like me. And so, you know, it kind of creates this um, like this heaviness in our energy, whether we realize it or not. And so there is a chapter in the book. I think it's chapter five called You Are Whole. It's in the first part. And this is where we start to understand that we are the true self, which means we are more than our behaviors. So like you said, there's this light part of us, and then there's this dark part of us. And the dark doesn't mean it's evil. It means that there is an absence of light. So these are the parts of us. These are the characteristics that act out of the wounded ego. They re It's the part of us that reacts, the part of us that isn't in the full expansion of the true self yet. So there's a very powerful practice that we do in that chapter. It's where we write out our sun qualities, so to speak. So the positive qualities that we can rattle off. Oh, I'm generous. I'm a good friend. Um, I'm thoughtful. You're speaking my language. Yes. <laughs> and then we write and then we sit in that and we do this after we meditate. So the thoughts have you know, settled a bit. There's less resistance. And then we write our moon qualities. And these are like, the, so to speak, the, the dark qualities Demona. So these are the things we wouldn't exactly want to, you know, advertise on Instagram. Oh, I can actually be really judgmental. You know, we sit with us. I can be mean. I can be stingy. I can be all these things. And what happens is when you, when you write the moon qualities, you'll notice that your body will have a reaction to them. You'll actually feel sensations come up, rise up and go down. So it could be a constriction in your tummy. You might feel your heart race. You can start to just feel your ego having a reaction. It doesn't want to identify with these things, but we sit in this practice with the sun qualities and the moon qualities next to them, next to each other. And we breathe and we sit through this. There's more detail in the book about this. But then when we, at the end, we realized oh, I can own all of this. And it doesn't really affect who I am, who I am. So this is where there's duality with the oneness. There's this part of us that's becoming, we're human. So we, 
you know, we have this evolving part of us that's stumbling along. It's going to make mistakes, but then there's this true self part of us. There's already this um, stable whole part of us. And that's the part of us that's able to look and say, oh, wow, look at how I acted out. Look at my behaviors. So it gives us more of this freedom, more of this enlightenment that comes from awareness. We understand ourselves more. And yet we own that, you know, we are the light and the dark. And at the same time, we're becoming coming more connected to the true self. And the more that comes about, yes, our actions and our words line up with this expansive loving part of us. But at the same time, we're not going to let the guilt and the shame drag us down. So we own it. We see it. We understand that we're learning and evolving. We clean up the mess. We apologize. We do what we need to do. But we can show up in so much more power, Demona, when we are in our wholeness. Mm. And it's attractive. It's saying, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm whole. I'm here. And another story I want to say in the love chapter real quick, Demona, is that, um, you know, I don't know if you read this, this, um, this story, but it's really beautiful. It's a story that Yogananda recounts about the Himalayan musk deer. So it's a specific species of deer that lives in the Himalayan mountains. And every spring there's an abdomen, a sack literally inside of their abdomen. And it starts to secrete this really potent, beautiful musk smell. So the deer in the spring starts to go bananas and nuts. And they're like, where's the source of this musk? And they're looking underneath rocks and going behind the logs and they're running all around. And here's the tragic part of the story. They can't find the musk. So a lot of the deers work themselves up into such a frenzy that they throw themselves over the cliffs to their deaths. All along, the musk was coming from inside of them. And I tell the story to say, this is how I think a lot of us approach love. We're desperate. We, we can't discern yet. Don't perceive that it's actually inside of us. And again, we want to share that love because, you know, imagine certain people make us feel that love. It, it enlights, it ignites it's inside of us, but it's inside of us. When we do these practices, we start to smell the musk and understand, not just smell like Demona, because we smell and we want love. <laughs> but we say, oh, I don't actually need anybody else. I would like to share life, but it actually, it's inside of me. And so it takes away that desperation and it allows us to be this powerful magnetic source instead. Exactly. And I love that in part two of the book, you're teaching people to embody these true self qualities and really, really step into that wholeness. And, you know, we've been talking a lot from the, the yogic principle, but also just from the, um, in, in a lot, a lot of my work, we're working with behaviors and sort of training your mind. And there, there is also that practical element of you can rewire your brain. You can create new, right? New, um, neural pathways that can change your behaviors and can change the way that you think and the way that you feel. So for anyone listening that's just like, well, this is just how I've always been, even though some of those pathways harden and become a little bit more rigid the more that we live them. You know, I talk also in in the yoga terms like samskaras, these behaviors that get that get um that get ingrained, like they can be shifted 
but it has to become a practice. And you talk about that a lot in the book. Like this is the practice of our life, right? Yes. And one of the quotes from Yogananda, and I'll paraphrase it, he says, a cave can be in darkness for a thousand years, but shine the light. And it's as if the darkness had never been. Meaning we can have these patterns and behaviors because, you know, the samskaras, the, the, the wounds that have happened from our childhood or, you know, wherever, they create this, um, it almost just like limits our perspective. It becomes this way of acting out and we don't realize what's underneath it. So what this work does, again, the subtitle practical enlightenment for everyday life means we start to create more awareness and with more awareness comes more freedom. So I'll use myself as a practical example, Demona. I, I didn't understand why it used to bother me so much when people would interrupt me or the other thing is I would go on this like, you know, little explanation. Let's say, well, I don't think people should have dairy and here's my 20 studies. And I would talk and talk. And at the end, if people were like, hmm, still don't agree, if people didn't agree with my opinion, it would, it would, it would, it was more than just like, oh, it was like, you know, like a dagger. It felt like it was like stabbing me. And through this work, again, of just sitting back in awareness, understanding more, it's like these practices and these exercises help us extract more of these jewels. What I came to see was the reason it bothered me so much, Demona, was because it was part of me that, you know, some deep belief that I wasn't deserving of being seen or heard something from my childhood. So the interrupting me triggered that. And underneath that trigger was, well, if I'm not worthy of being seen and heard, I guess I'm not lovable. Right. So it was this belief system that I created when I was like four years old of things that had happened. And so here I am as an adult living life saying whatever I'm saying, but the energy behind it was really from this lack of I'm not lovable. So once I could really see it and breathe into it, this shadow that was coming up, then it was, oh my gosh, you know, this cave of darkness, like shining the light on it. And through the practices, again, of really deep self-connection into the heart and into our true self, then I was saying, oh, wow, this is amazing. I can love myself doesn't matter if other, you know, I don't need this lovability to come. Again, the ego wants to get and get and feel like this desperation outside. It was learning to foster that love inside of me. So it really healed this wound of this you know, lack of lovability. And once I did that, wow, so much showed up in my life. These deep, meaningful friendships, soulmate hubby, just so much abundance in work and opportunities because it was something that had to heal in me. So again, this, this freedom is so practical. Demona, it allows us to create what we want in life, work-wise, love-wise, friendship-wise, you know, fulfillment-wise, peace-wise, starting from this place that we access inside of us, which is usually dormant because most of us are identified this primal sense of fear related to identity out here. So once we start to shift that again with these teachings and techniques, then our whole life changes. Everything opens mm. up. And that's where you get to the part three of your book in creating. Once you have that knowledge and that deep understanding, that's when you can get, you can unlock those those things that maybe you couldn't even visualize when you were in that place of fear. Exactly. So yeah, so part one, we have to get past the biggest blocks, the fear, stepping into wholeness, stepping into love as us being the source. Part two, like you said, is intuition, peace, embodying more of our qualities. Once we got that, part three is really exciting 
thing. The longest chapter in the book is actually called You Are a Creator. So it's how we start to work with this formless energy. Each of us has a unique spin, unique talents, unique approach to everything. How we extract that and to create our best stuff, our best relationship our best business idea, our best product, our best website, whatever it is, we can go from the formless, we transform from inside of us into actual form. And that's where abundance is part three. That's where magnetism is. I tell the story about how I came to write the book with Deepak Chopra, who was a hero of mine. So this can be used also in attracting the right mate. So there's, you know, working with your frequency, what Yogananda calls the underlying energy matrix. So it's going past dense physical into the energy, which is where change is to be had. Because when you work with that energy, then outward manifestations, outward form forms from that. So you want to work with that underlying energy first. And as you said, so many of these, these uh, elements of ourselves overlap and unlock together. So it's very common in my dating coaching practice for me to see someone who's who's working on the dating coaching steps, get a promotion in their job or realize they want to move across the country and live their dream in another city or, you know, have all of these abundant, wonderful things unlock for them in addition to the relationship. And it's it's sort of like yoga, right? It's it's all it's everything is integrated. (laughs) Everything is integrated. It's like, you know, you you start to, um, you know, I've had clients wake up and say, oh, you know, I've been going outside of myself to soothe my needs with food cravings. That's like all this sugar when I can soothe myself. You know, that's why we always work with the emotional well-being and spirit. You know, in my philosophy, there's food, body, emotional well-being and spiritual growth. These four cornerstones work synergistically. So if you're having a food issue like weight, food cravings, instead of just working on food, we go to the emotional and spiritual and we heal this void inside of us. Very, very powerful ways. And then you realize, oh, I've been giving my power, all the ways in which we give our power way outside of ourselves to the food, to this desperation of trying to get love. We don't need to live like that. You know, we, we, we generate this connection inside of ourselves, And then all these things, inner peace, love comes from inside. And again, it shapes our outer world from the inside out. You are love. So, so wise, so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Kimberly Snyder, she's the author of You Are More Than You Think You Are, Practical Enlightenment for Everyday Life. It's out today and we will put the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Damona. I love your energy and it's always great to talk. Thank you. Be sure to check out all of the things Saluna at mysaluna.com. That's spelled S-O-L-L-U-N-A. And you can find Kimberly on Instagram at underscore Kimberly Snyder. In a moment, I'll be back to answer your questions, including, I hate fishing, but he's a catch. <laughs> Should I put my deal breakers on the back burner? And is continuing to swipe after you start talking technically cheating? Yeah, I'll tell you in a minute. New year, new questions, and new advice for you in Dear Demona. Dear Demona. Demona, help me. Our listener Cindy sent me this message on Instagram. She said, why do men post pictures with fish? Seriously, why? I've only been doing online dating for a year, and while I've learned so much from listening to your podcast and just being out there... This is something I just do not get. Maybe I'll change my swiping habits, but the fish pick is a deal breaker. 
For reference, I live in the Boston area. Thanks. Cindy, I've got to know, is it the pictures of fish that are the deal breaker or the act of fishing that's a deal breaker? Like, maybe fishing is not a part of your moral beliefs and values? In that case, I would uphold that as a deal breaker. But let me tell you the psychology of dude putting a fish on his profile. These fellows are trying to show their worthiness to you of being able to be a good provider. This is so deeply ingrained in not only our current culture, but even just in our biological conditioning. Here, woman, uh, look, I get fish. (laughs) And he also probably gets accolades. Maybe he gets awards. Maybe he gets connection and community with his friends. And therefore also gets love by catching a big old fish. It's not your lifestyle, sure, but it's the I'm telling you the underlying conditioning that's leading him to think that putting that fish picture on his profile is a good call. He wants to provide for you, Cindy. He wants to catch you a big old fish so that you can have food for the whole winter season. And look, you're in Boston. I'm surprised that these aren't pictures of crab. I do see this change changes from region to region, like here in L.A. where I live. You don't see the fish pics. Like, that's not that's not a thing. You do see the gym pics, the GTL pics, gym tan laundry. We see the beach pics. We see a lot of, like, Instagram-style, I'm living my best life kind of photos. We don't see a lot of the fish photos. But I do hear, particularly from my listeners, like, in the South, the fish pics are a big thing. So if you say it's a deal breaker for fish pics, you may be cutting out a whole big chunk of your dating pool. And I just have to ask you why. Is it that the fish pick represents a lifestyle that you don't want? Is it that it's just gross? Because I agree with you, it's gross. But it is a part of the culture. Um, By the way, I'm from Michigan. And there, it's the hunting picks. The hunting picks are really hot. I wouldn't be into that either. But you got to look at it from the other side of what is he trying to convey with the fish picks? Uh, I don't, I don't know, Cindy, that changing your swiping habits are really going to change the fact that dudes like to put pictures of hunting and fishing on their dating profiles. But look, I'm just starting a revolution here with dates and mates. Like, Tell a friend if maybe it's not your guy, but maybe you have a male friend who has a fish pick up. Everyone listening must know somebody who has a fish pick. Tell them no. Tell them thank you, but no thank you. We can do better. We can use the three C's, color, context, and character. And the context does not have to involve a dead animal. Our next question comes to us on Instagram from a listener named S. She says, hi, Demona. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast over the last year. One feature I don't like on apps, though, is when the app shows everyone when you're online. I've had a couple guys get upset that they see me online using the app after I've matched with them. It's like they expect loyalty after two days of chatting. Do you have thoughts about this? I don't think there's a way to use the app more discreetly. Or maybe I should not be worried about this. And if the person gets upset, then they're insecure and not a good match for me. Also, FYI, I'm a 40-year-old widow. I was married for 16 years before my husband died in 2020. I started dating again last October, and your podcast really helped me. So thank you. 
Oh, S, I'm so sorry about your husband, and I'm so glad that you found this podcast when you needed it to help you through those challenging times. I know it's different out there, ain't it? <laughs> it's very different. Um, but don't worry. You got me. We're going to go through this together. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, yes, some of the apps, not all of the apps, will say when you're online. I actually love this feature on OkCupid because... I like to sort by the online stack because you've heard me say before that uh, the timing and momentum really is everything. So if you connect with somebody who's already online and you can start matching while the intent and energy is high, that is more likely to turn to a date than someone that you message and the chat starts like 24 or 48 hours later. But I understand your hesitation when you're getting messages from guys wondering why you're chatting online. So let me just tell you the rules because it may be different than the last time you were single. You don't owe anyone on a dating app anything, especially if you haven't even gone out on a date with them. The expectation is that you are talking to multiple people. You're swiping on multiple people. You are looking for the right match. And when that time comes, you will take your profile down and you will stop swiping. But until that day, you are 100% entitled to swipe as much as you darn well please, S. To those fellas that expect loyalty after two days of chatting, you hit the nail on the head. That is coming from their own insecurity. Doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be a good match, but you got to nip that right in the bud. And that, and you got to nip that right in the butt and let them know that you are, you are an independent woman. Okay. You don't have to say all that. <laughs> send them, just send them a gif of Beyonce. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> what you can do is just say, oh, I'm just, I'm new to online dating. I'm doing the online dating thing. I'm really looking for a match and I'm excited about getting to know you again, inspiring them to show up for you. Not setting a boundary, but saying like, here's the bar. You going to clear it or are you going to be stuck laying down on the track whining about how your shins hurt? Okay. But the second part of your question, is there a way to use the app more discreetly? There actually is. Like on OkCupid, there is incognito mode, which will not even show, not show that you're online. It won't even show your profile to other people. Yes, there's an upcharge for it and it's not part of premium. It's an additional, um, it's a separate feature that you can purchase like all the a lot of the features now are sort of a la carte so you can choose what you want but like why I don't know I don't know if you need to go incognito I use that sometimes with my celebrity clients that don't want people to know that they're on the dating app you know want to do the choosing first but I think being visible is part of what helps make those connections more quickly. And I think the speed of being online at the same time and being able to jump off the conversation right away is really actually a useful tool. I actually wish more of the apps would include that. So don't sweat it. Don't sweat it so much. You do US, you're doing, you're doing perfectly. I am super proud of you. You are doing what you need to do to move on, to take care of yourself and to find that connection that you know can be out there for you again. And so anyone else that's going to rain on your parade, they can go into the blocked, unmatched, and dismissed category. I hope you enjoyed episode 395 of Dates and Mates. I want to help you. 
I want to hear from you. I am at Demona Hoffman on all of the socials, just like S and like Cindy. You can send me a DM on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any platform you like, and send me your questions for the show, and you could hear your answer on a future episode. If you prefer to use the phone, that's cool too. I have a 24-7 voicemail that also takes texts, 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with Alex Strauss. She's an award-winning four-time published author. She's also a frequent features contributor to the New York Times. She interviewed me recently, and I can't wait to talk to her about the secrets of long-term love that she's learned from interviewing so many experts and so many couples over the years. And... She'll also tell you whether or not you should let your mom set you up on a date. Until then, I wish you happy dating.